look, I'm as disappointed as all of you are. Uh, oh, for several reasons. I missed the blip at the beginning of the song again. Then I went live with a black screen. Hi, everybody. It's the illustrious Pete the Planner Show podcast and radio show. It's not the radio show yet until we start a segment. By we, I mean Dame Dunn. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Just thinking no. about those broadcasting skills we were talking about earlier. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, Dame, uh, every I'm, I need some people to load in here. People are joining us right now. But I, I've got some news I need to share with people. Dame knows it. Um, there's Danza. Hello. Wake up. It's time to go. All right. I'm just starting. Here we go. Everybody, Damien Dunn is a radio star. He's found himself on a, a trucker podcast. He's doing a live radio interview next week uh, throughout Indiana. Like he is a big deal. I feel at some point in time that he's going to be too big to do this show. And I'm, I'm slightly intimidated by his broadcasting skills. Man, wouldn't that be something if I was too big for your show? That'd be great. Uh, yeah. So, Dame, you're doing a lot of a little outside uh, radio and broadcasting work. Good for you. Yeah, it's going to be a, a it's been a great experience so far to uh, to, to work with professionals and uh, figure out what uh, what shows look like when they're done outside of our network and uh, just getting some experience. I love it. All right. So, Dan, we've got a very diverse show this week. Probably not as crazy as last week's program. No one ever said anything other than here on the live show when we were watching videos of me being a moron. Uh, no one from the podcast said anything. So, you know, we're just going to keep it normal today. That's the All goal today. Right. All right. We have a question about permanent life insurance to start. We've got a question about how do you actually get money out of your 401k when you go to retire and what should you do? And then a BNPL question. Do you know what BNPL stands for? Uh, buy now, pay later. There it is. And then finally, the BOM. And you know what that stands for. Uh, good morning, Jeremy. Good to be with you live on Facebook. Uh, all right. So, Dame, are you ready to go? Let's just, you know, do the thing, as the, the kids say. I don't know if anyone says that. You do. And that's good enough. <clears throat> I'm an assistant coach of a 12-year-old girls soccer team. Well, you've got a really snazzy shirt, though. Oh, yeah. I do have my uh, money mechanic shirt on this morning. No, no. I'm, I at, your, I'm at your soccer oh. shirt. Oh, my soccer shirt. It says Carmel Football Club on it. Yeah, the Schmedium. It is a Schmedium. It was a medium, and I put it on once I got home because I'm not going to try a shirt on at a store. I'm not a savage. Uh, and turns out it's tight. Yeah, you can see all my anatomies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do the show. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and we'll answer your questions right here on this very air very air it's like dairy mm. damien dunn joins me as always hello dame hello pete nothing like a weird joke like that to start the show dame we've got several questions this week and so let's get to it people can email us by going to ask pete at petetheplanner.com that's sending an email to ask pete at petetheplanner.com dame the first email i ever sent in my entire life i sent to my friend devin when I was a junior in high school, this was about 1995, he was in college. And so I had just got a brand new computer, right? Mm -hmm. And I went and entered his email address in the web browser address line and was confused for about 90 minutes. So anyway, 
hopefully that's none of you. You can go to your actual email settings and, and hit us up at askpete at com. Dear Pete, I'm 25 years old and I've recently started meeting with a financial planner. They have recommended a whole life insurance policy as a part of a way to build equity. I've read various things about this cash value life insurance, but I was hoping to get more clarity from you. Is this something you would recommend at my age or should I put my money into a Roth IRA? I have no student loans. The only debt I have is a car payment each month. Big fan of the show. Michaela from Minnesota. Nice. Nice. Uh, Dame, this is uh, th- this is a good opportunity for me to say we don't like and or dislike specific financial products. Mm-hmm. What we like and or dislike is the fit for a particular person of those financial products. So for us to come on the air and say things like annuities are amazing or annuities are terrible, you'll never get to hear us say it. And, and while people like to make it that clean and neat, it just isn't. Most, if not all, I'm hedging, Financial products exist for a particular reason, for a particular audience, and serve a beautiful purpose within a person's financial life. So then this question becomes, is whole life insurance appropriate for a 25-year-old who doesn't look like they're maxing out their Roth IRA or arguably their employer's retirement plan as a way to build wealth? Now, Dame, did this person indicate as to whether they were betrothed in any particular way. I do not believe they did. So we could argue at the very beginning here, one of the reasons to purchase life insurance is if there is a survivor need. In the event that Michaela were to move on to a better place, uh, and I don't mean out of Minnesota, I mean uh, like dead, just like straight up, just real dead then it doesn't seem as though that someone would economically suffer because of that, right? It seems highly unlikely. I mean, there's no debt outstanding. There's nobody that would be left burdened with uh, any potential debt either at this point uh, that that we know of. So, um, I mean, I, I... I'm still in favor of, of younger folks uh, seriously considering insurance and making sure that you get coverage. You never know what the next day is going to hold. You never know what uh, your health may do, and you may qualify for an incredibly cheap rate right now with uh, with term life insurance, and that may not be the case uh, in, the, in the near future. So if, if you are um, considering it or have some extra cash and you want to make sure you're covered for the foreseeable future, yeah, insurance, go for it. Even if you don't have a a specific reason to necessarily have it right now. It might not be the worst idea in the world, but a whole life insurance policy at 25 with no specific reason other than it might be a good way to build wealth right now seems like somebody might be trying to squeeze her into a product. Yeah, a couple other things I want to note. I want to expand on a particular point that you said. I think guaranteeing future insurability is a really important concept. So uh, whereas Michaela uh, is 25, at some point she will not be uh, 25. And I would also argue that uh, Michaela also might not be as healthy as she happens to be right now, later. Right. So so that is to say, uh, if she has a a history in her family of a particular medical condition and she wants to lock in her insurability at a high uh, health quality, buying some sort of life insurance now to ensure that she will always be able to be insured does make sense. Like you said, 
Now, the other aspect of this that sort of bothers me is I, I don't mind cash value life insurance to maximize a tax situation, like to, to, to take advantage of the tax efficiency of the life insurance plan. But I think you have to exhaust some more conventional means prior to doing that. Now, this... This doesn't, this, this is my opinion, by the way. And I know a lot of people do it different ways. I, I like the idea of maxing out a Roth IRA. Back when I used to provide life insurance to people as part of a financial plan, we used to say, because we were trained to say it this way, that the, the glory of permanent life insurance from a tax sensitivity standpoint uh, mirrors a Roth IRA. Right. It is it has the same to some degree has the, the same sort of tongue, tax functionality. So, Damon, if that's the case, why not start with the OG, which is the, the Roth IRA? I, I think that's got to be the place to start. Roth IRA is going to be less complicated, quite possibly uh, less expensive uh, with fees and whatnot. Uh, way more portable. Uh it just seems like, uh, as you said, I don't know why in the world, I, again, we're, we're very similar in this instance, why somebody would make a whole life insurance policy, uh, policy one of the first tools they employ to build long-term wealth. They do certainly have their role to play in some situations for individuals, but as a 25-year-old, I just think there are other accessible things, uh, the product or tools that you could use to to get to this particular goal. Not to mention the fact that it doesn't always have to be tax qualified savings either. At this point, make sure you've got that emergency fund. Oh, she's she's 25. She doesn't really have any debt. We haven't even got to that point. So if if somebody's trying to really gobble up a big chunk of your monthly income, which I would assume that there's going to be a pretty hefty price tag that comes along with this this potential policy. You know what? Good point. And let me step on you. Okay. What do you think the premium is? Okay. Because this is a person that doesn't have survivor needs, right? This is someone who's 25. We think based on the name, this person is a female, meaning that they're going to be less expensive than insuring a male. You know, a hundred thousand dollar whole life policy for someone that age, man, this is where I'm going to just show my lack of recent experience. What do you think? 90 bucks a month? Probably. I I was, I was trying to guess what the value of the policy was that she was being sold. And I was going to go with a hundred, uh, just because I, I think that's a a kicking off point. They've got a lot of flexibility to go down if they, if the client or the uh, prospect, hedges a little bit and they want to go down to 50 but um the prospect prospect i'm trying to use the right terminology for this particular uh supposed institution um yeah it probably 90 bucks would be my guess and for a hundred grand uh if you were to get a comparative term policy would be 12 bucks not much but by the way and and it is worth saying 90 dollars for a hundred thousand dollars of permanent coverage and locking that in it is a good deal it it is like it is the coverage you would theoretically have forever and michaela if you happen to have an extra 90 dollars laying around after you've can maxed out your roth ira and arguably maxed out your 401k then go ahead and do it here with with the minute we have left here's who i love whole life insurance for or any version of permanent life insurance Highly compensated people that want to squirrel away tax efficient money after they've exhausted 
other ways to do it. And, and I think it's great. I think it is a great tool for physicians and attorneys and people who make a lot of money and who will always make a lot of money. That's a big key to this too. If you happen to be doing well now, but you don't think that will persist, this ain't the rodeo for you. And it's with that that we take a break. Coming up after the break, when you have a 401k and you go to retire, how do you get paid? All that's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. You know, the outros are back. Could you tell? It's right on. Right. Last week was an abysmal situation. Troy Montanay joins the show and the live stream. Look at that, that. man. He's the best. You know what I think is interesting about Troy uh, talking here? He had a child born on... um, May 29th, which I, and I, the only reason I know that is because he used to be in charge of Indiana's 529 plan. And so his child was born on 529. I have a son born on 401, as in 401k, uh, April 1st. Tito. I, I have a daughter that was born on January 23rd. And I said that was because I was too dumb to remember anything other than one, two, three. See? It all works this, out. You know what this all adds up to? Nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. Okay. I don't hate life insurance. I don't hate annuities. I, I, I think they're fantastic for the right person. A single 25-year-old that's not maxing out things, probably not what I would do. No. I know. Send all the hate mail to askpete. NML.com. That's right. Uh, I'm just kidding. Okay. That's going to catch some ire. Uh, let's do it. Mm-hmm-hmm-hmm. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, you never wonder what happens when you retire and you got this 401k or a 403b and you're ready to go a different direction in your life. And by different direction, I mean you're retired. How does the money actually get out of the 401k? right? How does it happen? So we got an email about this sort of this week. Let's take a look. When a person retires and no more paycheck, does their funds... Okay. (laughs) I'm just reading this as written. Okay. So look, when a person retires and no more paycheck, does their funds balance in 401k stop or freeze at that time? Or is it still susceptible to the ups and downs of the market? Okay. So we're going to pause that question as I continue to read because we're going to come back and answer that initial question. For example, because we get an example here, a person retires with $250,000 in account. Does that balance gain loss as usual? Or does it freeze? Mm-hmm. Freeze. Freeze tag was an underrated game as a kid, was it not? It always boiled down to people being upset and the freezing really not working out so well. I mean, it was great for like five minutes. What, wasn't there a version of freeze tag to unfreeze someone that you crawled through their legs? Yes. Is yes. that the primary version of freeze tag? I, I, I had forgotten about that, but I think it might be the primary re, uh, rule in freeze tag. See, for my son to have fun today, he's either on video games or some giant mechanism. When we were kids, we were breaking each other's arms with Red Rover, mm-hmm. and we were climbing between people's legs to unfreeze them. From a, from a temporary paralysis brought about by touching. 
Yeah, jumping off swing sets that were like 12 feet tall and just, you know, flying through the air. Remember those great times? Do you remember swinging, flying off of a swing that you, you swung up, flew off the swing 300 feet in the air? Not once did you get hurt. Never. But where you did get hurt is when you'd go swing back on the swing and your friend was walking by and you'd kick them right in the jibs. Yeah. Anyway, uh, or does it freeze and said balance is what they have to withdraw from forever? Or like I said, that figure can go up or down depending on the market. I'm back to the email for those that not know. I still have four or five years before retirement. I assume the balance in your 401k does not retire with you and is still invested in the market, but not adding to it. Is that the case? Is there a safety strategy to minimize losses, change percentage in stocks and bonds? Thank you. No name. Oz took the name off of this one. Uh, so sometimes you and I, Dame, because we do this for a living, uh, we realize that we take for granted that people just understand how all this stuff works, which is why I'm glad we're here. Uh, so that no one feels silly that they don't understand this. Dame, what happens when your employment status goes from employed to unemployed via retirement? What happens to your account? Like, does it freeze? Uh, the complicated term I think that we use is nothing. Nothing changes right. with your yeah. account. Not uh, a thing. Whatever it was the day before you walked out the door. And the day after you walked out of the door, unless you go on and make changes inside of that account, it's going to be invested the exact same way. Now, maybe you do make some, decide to make some changes. And you, uh, as the, the author of the email says, uh, is there a, a strategy to minimize losses? Well, yes, potentially there is. And it depends on just how complicated uh, or how, uh, how safe, air quotes, safe you want to be. Uh, you can increase the amount of bonds potentially to take some of the volatility out of the portfolio, or you could go all the way to cash, which is not usually the very best answer for you as well. But yeah, you can minimize the volatility that you see inside of the value of that account after you retire. It just depends on, well, honestly, how much money do you need and for how long are you going to need it and trying to line up all those things. This question seems rather simplistic, but I have to be honest, there's a lot of complex movement to this because not only does this person really asking about time horizon, their time horizon begins four to five years when they retire, but it's not vanquished uh, upon retirement. Their, their time horizon persists throughout retirement. So that impacts their risk tolerance and their allocation. I would also note that, like, like you said, Nothing actually happens. L let's say they have a growth account right now. You know, that maybe that's their objective. It it switches. It switches to growth and or income after or, or grow, uh, growth and income and or income after that. And it also has to do with how much money you need off of this account as a percentage of your overall retirement income. If social security gets the job done, then don't touch it. Like don't just withdraw money because you can. And I would say, Dame, and you've seen this, sometimes people think they retire, therefore they should pull money out of their retirement plan prior to 70. Uh, and, and that becomes an issue. Yeah, and you've brought up a, a, a good point uh, just a, a minute ago. It really depends on what your needs for this account are. If you're one of the few folks in the country that still gets a pension and social security, and that covers all of your living expenses, 
you could feasibly leave your 401k or IRA or whatever, 403b, 457, in a pretty aggressive portfolio and really not have too much to be concerned about because all of your income needs are taken care of by fixed resources at that point. So uh, you're going to have to make sure that you understand uh, how much you need and roughly what that time horizon is. And you're right, Pete, it is a more complicated question than, than a lot of people give it credit for. You know, the idea of a pension is a form of an annuity where, where an annuity uh, over, over time, an annuitized annuity, I should say, it is where a payout occurs over a certain period of time indefinitely. Right. And so people just assume because they grew up around pensions or their grandpa had a pension and that person, grandpa got a check every month that the 401k has that same mechanism. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, in theory, you could set up the account to send you a check every month. No, yeah, I'm saying it to. naturally doesn't. Yeah, it naturally does not. And, and the uh, the beauty of an annuity or a pension is that that payment is going to be fixed and you're going to get it regardless of market performance going forward and you can count on it month to month. 401k, you can set up to get a check every month and yes, that check will be consistent from month to month until there's no more money there. And that's the problem that you potentially run into. And it's a not insignificant problem when it comes to making sure you've got money to live on in retirement. You know, this is sort of off topic, but, you know, who really cares? I have found that when someone retires and they're not, they don't have a lot of investment savvy, something that can commonly occur is that they'll look at their very big balance from a relative perspective to them. They'll say, Hey, this is $250,000. And I'm not here to say $250,000 is not a lot of money, but I am here to say that it, it can't independently support a retirement. It, it just can't. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. At best, it can perpetually give you $1,000 a month, right? And that's not going to support anybody in retirement. And that's very generous, by the way, saying $1,000 a month uh, perpetually. Dame, here's what I find people do. They'll see $250,000. They'll say, that's a lot of money. You know, I want to take five, I want to take five grand and go on my retirement vacation. And they don't realize the impact of that exorbitant withdrawal from a percentage standpoint has on the remaining 30 years of their retirement. Am I saying they shouldn't go enjoy themselves? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when people don't have a good concept, a good grasp of a percentage withdrawal off of an asset or a nest egg. It leads to a retirement lifetime filled with challenges based on one or two decisions at the very beginning of retirement. And I know you've seen that too. Yeah. Is this big spend worth taking a permanent reduction, a, a, a most likely permanent reduction in your monthly income? Exactly. So here's what we're going to do after the break. There is a trend called BNPL. Buy now, pay later. It's like a fancy layaway for internet folks. We'll explain what it means, why it is uh, the next frontier in consumer debt, and why it's just like, come on, we're just reinventing the wheel for no particular reason. I'll give you my real feelings. All that's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Lori joining us from Alaska. Good day, Lori. Uh, It's before sunrise probably there. I've always wanted to go to Alaska. It's a summer, so the sun might have been up for like eight hours already, though. 
Have you been to Alaska? I have not, but my in-laws want to take the whole family there because they, they did live there for a while. I would love, love to go to Alaska. I've been to Hawaii, but I was only there for like three days and it was for work. And I, I did not really get to do anything that much fun. And by work, you mean a conference where you got to talk a couple times and sit on the beach, I'm guessing? I uh, finished a, a book, uh, and I don't mean reading a book, writing a book on Waikiki Beach at like three in the morning <laughs> Hawaii time because I was wide awake. Yeah. Um, this was 2015 is when I was there. And I was I was there for, for like 72 hours. It was very oh, strange. That's brutal. It was not great. Oh, did I, ever, did I ever tell you about the flight home from Hawaii? I don't think so. I uh, was at the airport. I was going to fly. I think it was flying American maybe. I don't remember. And I had to fly through Dallas. And I was, uh, I was lo- checking in for my flight. Uh, I was flying coach. And I saw this glitch. Like I could get a first class ticket for like $178 upgrade. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely doing that. Right. And so uh, I did it. And I end up sitting next to this woman who was probably 24 years old. She was from Denver. She was a bartender at an airport hotel in Denver. And she was flown to Hawaii by two men who this isn't going to go as weird as you think. I mean, it's going to be weird, but it's not going to be super weird that constantly drank at her bar and they, they, she was their favorite bartender. So they flew her to make her them drinks in Hawaii. And so then they, they flew her first class to do this. And so on the way back, we're sort of just chatting before the flight. She's a bartender she just starts drinking a lot, a lot, and is watching movies and just cracking up. People are trying to sleep. And like the flight attendant wakes me up and goes, Is she your travel companion? And I was like, What? And I'm like, Out of this. It's like, What? And they're like, Is she your travel companion? I was like, No. And I was like, Why? And they're like, Because she needs to get under control or we're going to have to turn this plane around. And she's sitting right next to me. And all these people are looking at me because we we had been conversing earlier on. So they thought we're together. And this woman is about to get thrown off of a a, a cross trans-Pacific flight. Uh, And then she passed out at one point because she had drank so much. We land in, in Dallas and like it was wild. It was wild. There you go. Holy smokes. Jeremy, uh, our pilot friend, says, wait, everyone doesn't do that in first class? <laughs> That's so true. Okay. Mm. You think people like the stories that I tell on this show? I, I do. Wanna, I, do. do? I, don't, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I, I do. We all have that friend that thinks their stories are good, but they're not. They're terrible. <laughs> and I don't want to... A, be that person or B, turn into that person, but it's inevitable. I, I can't fake that kind of uh, you know, appreciation or enjoyment. So you, you'll be able to tell if, if I'm not digging it. My son reminded my, my Tito loves ba- NBA basketball jerseys. He likes, you know, buying, jer- having jerseys and he wants a Dikembe Mutombo jersey right now. Like uh, the classic nuggets, like super colorful yeah. Dikembe Mutombo jersey. Um, <laughs> Neil, my friend Neil just <laughs> distracted me. So, uh, I had, a, I, I'm interrupting a story with a story. Uh, last night, uh, I had a dream that my good friend Neil was kidnapped 
for his Bitcoin. And I was involved and I had to figure out his his Bitcoin password, which was Go Irish. And I don't know why he's not a Notre Dame fan or anything. <laughs> Maybe he's been to a Clotta pub. I don't know. But his Bitcoin, we got him back because I told his kidnapper that his Bitcoin password was Go Irish. And then when we recovered Neil, he was mad because then he lost all his Bitcoin. And so Neil uh, chimes in. Anyway, back to the story. So Ted went to Dikembe Mutombo jersey, which brought up one of my all-time favorite stories of seeing Dikembe Mutombo on vacation at a table next to ours at dinner. You, Dame, I have told you this story. Have I, I not? I don't know. I don't think you have. <laughs> Okay. Dikembe Mutombo is with his family. Mrs. Planner and I are on a trip to the Bahamas. We're in Atlantis in the Bahamas. I think we were eating at a Bobby Flay restaurant at the time. I think it was a Mesa Grill. We're sitting there. Dikembe and his family are sitting there. It's he and his lady friend and four or five young children, small children. And so the kids are acting a fool. Why? Because everyone's kids act a fool. And so, uh, they bring out bread and rolls and things like this. And this kid eats a roll and then eats another roll. I'm all witnessing this. And he gets to this point where the kid is like, no more roll. Because he sounds like Cookie Monster. And this is that's just what he sounds like. No more roll. And so um, the kid goes to get another roll. The kid reaches across the table in his eight-foot <laughs> wingspan, slaps a roll out of the kid's hand, and then gives him the Dikembe <laughs> finger. And he goes, no roll. <laughs> I have never heard that story before. I've never told you that no. story. That is, I when I die and I get to heaven ish, and I and God is like, so tell me about how everything went. I will tell God that story. He's seen it. That's yeah. my favorite story. Now, to be fair, Mrs. Planner does not consume uh, our media. She does not watch the show. She's not entertained by me in life and or work. She contends that did not happen. What? She says it didn't happen. Why it would, totally why, happened. So why would you put that question of doubt in my head now? Well, because I'm I like to be transparent, but it totally happened. Her back was to the situation. I'm staring at the man. It's hard not to stare at a seven foot four man eating dinner at a, at a southwestern restaurant in the Bahamas. He slaps the roll, no, no more roll, like this, and I was like, what? I had hair. It was a different time. What are the chances we can get Dikembe on the show to confirm this? Uh, this story that's a really well here's the thing that would be amazing but that also sounds like effort and we are against effort on this show yeah Yeah. for those just joining us because i know we've got more people here than earlier damian dunn is a radio star these days he's a, a what was the name of the trucker podcast you were on drive that's a good name for a show so people can go to the Drive podcast and listen to Dame talk about truckers' financial lives. And then this coming week, Dame's going to be uh, all in Indiana, which I, I believe is uh, the WFYI, NPR Radio Indiana, is going to be a, a guest on that program. He's a big star. So at some point in time, I, his demands are going to be a problem for this show. Yeah, looking for that comp boost uh, that uh, for the uh, celebrity and notoriety I'm bringing to the show. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. If you ever want to catch what we talk about during the break on this show, go get our podcast. It's just called the Pete the Planner show. Dame, if I'm being honest, like when I say, hey, go to this place and get our podcast, I'm telling the radio audience this right now. Where do you tell somebody to go get a podcast? I used to say, like, go to iTunes or go to Stitcher or go to... I, I, 
I don't care where you go to get the podcast and, and just Google it or Bing it and you'll figure it out. Yeah, we, um, we don't get paid for the podcast. So whether you get it through... Stitcher you don't get paid for the radio show. Yeah, or Overcast or any place, wherever, wherever you get your podcasts, look for us. What do you listen to? What podcast uh, platform do you listen to? Overcast. Me too. All right, Dame. So not too long ago, I was doing some surfing on the web. Mm. Do people say that anymore? I don't think so. You know what people do say? Mm. So go to www.petetheplanner.com. Why do people still in 2021 insist on shorthand for a World Wide Web in an email address, like in a radio advertisement? You know how long it takes to say www on a radio advertisement? Too long. Yeah. And it's not time. necessary. Yeah, it's fine. Is it, does anybody actually type www anymore? I think people who hear about something on a commercial, but why not? Like, here's what I, I, I truly don't get. Is it a way to alert someone they're about to hear a web address? Because that, that could theoretically be the case. It's like www, and you're like, oh, here comes the wah, wah, wah. And then you go and you're getting ready to write. Is that what happens? Here's the other thing. How rarely do you type in an exact web address anymore? Do you just go to Google or Bing and type type it in and look for the result? One of the hottest trends in the financial and commerce space right now is something called BNPL. Buy now, pay later. It is a payment plan, like QVC Quick Pay. Is that what, I think something like that. Uh, and, and what happens is you, you are making a purchase, you're buying a pair of uh, trousers, and uh, you, you don't want to part with the $80 in your checking account, or you don't want to commit to paying $80 on your credit card later. So you choose a site financed option, which involves you making payment plans over time to this third party that's attached to the e-commerce site. Did I explain that in a really clunky way? Yes, but it's mostly right. Did I get anything wrong? No, I don't think so. I just said mostly. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. So this is a big thing. Like P and there, there's some like big names in it. Uh, Afterpay is one of them, which in itself, just the name of the business Afterpay makes me, it's very descriptive. Sure. But it's like, come on. Uh, it's a big thing that people are doing all of the time. It is a massive movement. And I'm not talking about, oh, hey, I need some Beats headphones and I need to pay $299 over the course of these six easy payments. I'm talking about people are buying things for like $19.99 and paying $4 a month for five months. Yeah, this was a, a an advent that I don't think anybody really needed. That uh, just It seems to me that it seems to be very very fraught with potential danger uh, for, for folks. I mean, compared to the original layaway, I, I, I kind of, I, I still understand that one. You're going to pay and then get the item. But now you're getting the item and then paying over time, which I understand is a credit card. I, I get that. It's not really helping someone control their, their spending in, in any way, shape or form. It is a solution to a problem that does not exist for consumers, although it is a solution to an opportunity 
for retailers. Affirm is one of these companies. The maximum value that can be taken out on a single payment plan with Affirm is $17,500. It's just another way to finance a purchase. Now, Dame, there will be someone, because there's always that someone that says, oh, you're being privileged. You, you People need this. I don't think they do because there's other means to accomplish this. Uh, and I, I find this to be incredibly opportunistic from these payment companies' perspectives. And I don't necessarily even extend the blame onto websites that, that give people this option. But this is, this is a bad thing. This is like uh, credit and not calling it credit. Totally. I mean, it's exactly what it is. It, except um, the difference being, instead of an open-ended payment that, that you can make over the course of how who knows however many months or years, it's typically four to six months for these. So if, if you're looking for something that's a little bit more structured, yeah, I, I guess that works. Or you could be patient and save the money you need and then pay for it when you buy it. I have to say my favorite alternative payment scheme, there's two things that just happened there. I love the use of the word scheme in a non-negative usage Hmm. because, you know, overseas, they talk about your retirement scheme and they don't mean it in a a derogatory way. And I also like mispronouncing things. Anyway, uh, my favorite part, my favorite uh, alternative payment scheme is layaway. And I mean it. Layaway gets uh, has a horrible reputation, and I'm not sure why, because it's wildly responsible. Is, is it not? Like, you have to have it paid off before you get the joy, whereas credit is you get the joy, and then you have to figure out how to pay it off. And to me, that that's backwards. Yeah, I'm, I understand layaway, layaway and I, I like it. But what's the difference, though, between just saving money into a savings account I mean, other than you've officially made that commitment to the store that hey that one's mine and i'm just gonna pick it up uh in six months after i've paid this thing off i feel like we set this segment up so i could answer that question because that, that that i i would love to answer that question there's a couple different reasons number one uh It's so that you know that you have that item. It's like it's a particular shirt that you want or a particular handbag that you want. And and maybe it's a a fast moving item. You secure, they take that item and they set it aside in the layaway room. And then you make payments on that particular item. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, it's just a lot more tangible that you go and make payments on it. Now, again, this is why it gets a bad reputation because it seems a a little strange. You like visit your purse, right? It's like, Hey, I got to go to Marshall's and, uh, checking on the purse that I'll own in three or four months. seems weird. seems, seems like there's something wrong with that, but I'm not sure there is. I find it to be responsible. Yeah. I mean, it's responsible. It's also incredibly countercultural right now. I mean, I, I can't see, uh, young Pete walking into chess King making mm. payments on a pair of pants. Uh, I owe for, you. I, yeah. Uh, for, uh, you know, six months, uh, especially now uh, you're going to go and you're going to buy them and you're going to figure out how to pay them later or not pay them and go into bankruptcy. I, I don't know. A pair of pants from chess King putting you into bankruptcy is kind of a funny, uh, thought, but no, I just, I, I don't see, 
traditional layaway coming back in, in any shape or form. But man, it'd be great if it did. I will have to say, uh, live stream viewer Danza notes that she loved layaway back in the good old days. Got a lot of my clothes growing up that way. Helped me as an unbanked teenager. That is the other element to this game. It helps the unbanked. And it is, of course, like you said, the opposite of instant gratification, which is why there will be no new form of layaway. Uh, if for some reason these buy now, pay later services spin off the newfangled layaway plan, it will never take off because it is uh, pay now, buy later. How would, what would we even call that? It would be called pay now-ish, get later. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really sound that great. I'm okay. sure we could come up with some uh, acronym that would make it really cool and trendy. Dame, let's do this. After the break, coming up, uh, biggest waste of money of the week. And by God, thank God for Louis Vuitton. They give me so many things to to explain how wasteful <laughs> the purchases of their product are. All that is next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Pinkins, I am so with you. My friend Brian says, uh, as a middle school and high school kid, utilized layaway at Value City and the classic Dunham's Sports. Uh, Pink, was this at uh, the 34th and High School Road, Dunham's? Because that's the one I get to, used to get down at. Dunham's, uh, there are a couple around. Isn't there one up near you? Dame? Yeah, there is. It hasn't been around very long. I mean, as far as northeastern Indiana was concerned, Dunham's is a fairly new store. I had no idea they'd been around that long. And I used, I think there's one in uh, Columbus, Indiana, but they used to be in central Indiana like a long time. I mean, talking when like middle school for me. Wow. And it was always, I'll just speak to my experience 30 years ago. It was always kind of weird. Right, they, 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 they didn't have a lot of stock of anything. It's like you went and it's like, we have a baseball. It's over there. And you go <laughs> get the baseball. And then they had like a, a bright pink shirt and then like a cooler. And then like, that's all there was. And it was this giant store that never could keep stock. And it was like, well, do people go there a lot? Is that why they're so low on stock? But I don't know. It's like, do you learn how to do inventory at Dunham's and then you go work at Dick's? Like, I don't know how any of that works. Interesting. So I guess it's not that way anymore. Anymore. I, I mean, our Dunham's has fluctuated with inventory uh, at, at times, <laughs> uh, but I think that it was a, a big issue for a lot of people last year for obvious reasons. So uh, it's not something that I've typically experienced too often out there. I am a sucker for a great sporting goods store. Oh, yeah. Did you ever go and hang out? Uh, what was the one in Chicago? Was it Model Models? That uh, used walked past one uh, a couple times but i don't think i ever went inside no i don't know if that was it there was like this eight story sporting goods store in downtown chicago that we used to go in like back when i was in second grade and they had like all these walter payton things which i think was amazing but i still love a, a good sporting goods store i dig like the giant cabela's yes bass yeah. pro Come so on. much fun to go into now here's the, here's the thing about that. Like there's actually there's just outdoor sports. There's not that yeah, soccer right. isn't outdoor, but there, there's not like uh, yeah. uh, ball sports, traditional sports. It's hooking and shooting. That's right. <laughs> okay. In three, two, oh wait, I'm not ready. Everybody relax. Go go figure. I'm not ready to do something. Three, two, one. 
This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is, Dame, like I said earlier, thank God for Louis Vuitton. The Louis Vuitton pizza box case. It might be called a pizza box, but it's not made for carrying a pizza. Instead, this cleverly named case from Louis Vuitton is made for carrying vinyl records, CDs, and other audio accessories. It's shaped like a pizza box at roughly 14 inches square and one and a half inches tall, but is built like one of the company's iconic trunks with a monogram canvas exterior natural cowhide lining and snap closure and gold-colored hardware. Finished with the message LV Sound Design and Record Club in white on the top. Dame, guess how much this dumb thing is. $690. Ooh, you are so far off. Last week, you actually had a great guess. Uh, and I don't even remember what it was. I just was so impressed all week. I could barely stand it. $2,090. <laughs> Man, can you imagine how many layaway payments you'd have to make on this? Uh, like uh, five years worth. What in the world? There are certain things. I, I try not to judge people too much, right? I try not to say like yeah, people have different tastes and, and feelings and, and goals. I will judge you hard if you buy this. Those white letters on the box look like they're the peel and stick kind that you would get from Value City or Dollar General. Yeah. And it looks incredibly bad. Okay, here's a question for you. Do you think at Louis V... <laughs> do people call it that? Louis yeah. V? Yeah. I, I don't know. And do you think at LV headquarters, there's one of two vibes going. They made this and were like, wow, this is amazing. Or do they make it and go, some sucker's going to buy this. This cost us $17 to manufacture. We've just made... Upwards of two thousand and eighty-three dollars. What what do you think the real vibe is there? I think it's a lot of let's see if we can get people to buy this. I mean, it's there's no reason to buy virtually anything that they make and pay the prices that they charge. I mean, this is this is dumb. Now, I don't mind something that's very expensive because it is functionally better than other things. Right, like amazing speakers, and the sound really is better than anything you've ever heard. Or a car that performs better, but but it's a box that holds stuff. Like you can't, it doesn't function. Well, this is this kind of gets back to a uh, debate that you had a couple of years ago, I think, with uh, one of our coworkers, uh, Chad, about were uh, our Yetis worth the price. And he suggested, what did I say? You said no, absolutely I said not. No. I don't still own a Yeti. Dame, what's in the news this week? The Biden administration is extending a moratorium on federal student loan payments through early 2022. The Education Department made the announcement last Friday, and it follows an earlier extension of, uh, that President Biden made when he took office. The moratorium was set to expire at the end of September and has been extended until January 31st. The Education Department said that this would be the final extension, however. Loan repayments and interest accrual has been paused for borrowers with federal student loans since March 13th of 2020. 
Collection on defaulted loans has also been suspended as well. The moratorium applies to about $1.4 trillion in federal student debt owed by some 42.8 million borrowers. And for those of you playing at home, more than $5 billion a month in interest has not been collected during the moratorium period. Okay, so I have an opinion. My opinion is uh, coming from a place of privilege, admittedly, I think this is a mistake. I think that this is a a situation that hurts people more than it helps them. It does help some people, which I love, right? I love the idea that it helps some people. I think there just needs to be more qualification as to how you achieve the unnecessary aspect of pain, right? I, I feel like just a blanket you don't have to pay is going to hurt people because as you and I talked about before the show, what ends up happening is you don't have this obligation to pay. So then you reassign that money to other things in your life, which often aren't necessarily moving you forward financially. They're just creating new habits and obligations. And then come with the end of this moratorium, you've had 24 months of not having a payment. And, and while it'd be great if you moved forward for those 24 months or survived those 24 months, but most people at this point are just forming new habits and they're going to be in a much worse position when this is over. That's my view. I think that's a common and uh, a reasonable view, Pete. Nice job. I also have to say that's exactly what's going to happen with an advanced child tax credit. Uh, and, and will it stimulate the economy? Yeah. Yeah, it will. Will it help some people get kids out of a poverty and will it put food on the table? Yes. And I love that. I think that is great. But again, I think the way to do these sorts of things is to have it not be for anyone who makes under $150,000 as a household. It has to to really serve the people who really need it because otherwise it, it, it will create behavioral issues. You think the child tax credit sticks around in its current form next year? Yeah. I, I think it's you can't put the genie back in the bottle on that one. Yeah. And, and I guess we'll see. That, that's the whole thing with economics in general that I, I learned back in, 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 in college. I, I remember talking to a professor about this whole idea of, you know, they tell you about these theories about Keynesian economics or Austrian economics. And you're talking about it. And you're like, OK, so how does it work? And they're like, oh, these are just theories of how it works. Like that's the that's the weird thing about economics is just like, well, this is what we think is going to happen. But then something happens and then both warring factions get to argue as to what just happened, which is sort of a mind blowing concept here. There are the basics, basics of economics, but there are also it's, it's, it's really wrapped in theory. So my theory is that this will be bad for more people than good. Uh, but I'll never be proven right or wrong. My econ professor always said that he wished he could double the money supply in the U S just to see what happened. And I have to think, over it's the probably last already year. happened. He's he's just sitting in his front yard in a lawn chair with a beer in his hand, just watching the world go by, taking notes. He was right. What else is in the news? The U.S. labor market hit a new milestone recently. For the first time, average pay in restaurants and supermarkets climbed above $15 an hour. Wages have been rising rapidly as the economy reopens and businesses struggle to hire enough workers. Some of the biggest gains have gone to workers in some of the lowest paying industries. Overall... 
Nearly 80% of workers now earn at least $15 an hour, up from 60% in 2014. Job sites and recruiting firms say many job seekers won't even consider jobs that pay less than $15 anymore for years. Low-paid workers fought to make at least that much, and now it's effectively become the new baseline. Now, I will speak for myself here because I don't want to group you into my thinking. Uh, I have long supported uh, wage increase at that level of income. Uh, and I also love that it happened more organically as opposed to uh, forced increases via mandate. Your thoughts? I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. I'm all for higher wages as long as it's not a government mandate to make that happen because I think that has some potentially adverse consequences that come along with it. Now, there are adverse consequences that have come with sort of this movement, and that is that there are 10 million job openings uh, and like 7 million unemployed people. So there's like, I don't know... Like we, we've we've got this weird labor market going on right now, which we talked about a lot in the last couple of weeks. One more story, Dan. What do you got? Uh, Disney Plus has 116 million subscribers, the company said in its earnings report yesterday. To illustrate how impressive that is, Disney initially projected that the streaming service would hit between 60 and 90 million subscribers by 2024. Together oh. with ESPN Plus and Hulu, Disney has nearly 174 million subscriptions, which is breathing down the neck of Netflix, which has 209 million. Did you catch that story about ScarJo, Scarlett Johansson a few weeks ago? Yeah, the Black Widow uh, stuff. I, I have to side with her, and it's not just because um, I'm a fan. Uh, it's just that I uh, I agree with her, this idea that like, hey, we're going to pay you on the back end of this movie coming out, and then they put it straight to stream and not in the movie theaters. And I think that's no good. No one cares what I think. Dave, that's all we have time for this week on the show. Hmm. Reminding you, email askpete at petethepunter.com. We'll talk about it. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. Catch Damien Don the radio star on a radio near you. Look at that. Look at that. What are you doing today, Dame? Uh, I've got some phone calls this afternoon with some of my very favorite people. You want a little bit of old man gripey? Yeah, do I ever. So, you know, I'm back on the road, right? I mean, I'm like, this is a thing. I'm, I'm back and going places and talking. Not to the extent you used to be, but yes, you're oh, back No, it's, I'm about to be. That, oh, I guess are? that's, the, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I have eight flights in the next two months. Oh. But actually, that's still not the case. Anyway, I'm speaking uh, in California on... No one cares. September 13th, September 14th. The deck, my PowerPoint presentation that I have to present to this group of people was due this past Monday. And I was like, I'm not sending it to you. Like, it's not part of my workflow to give you a current events deck 30 days, more than 30 days. Because what's going to happen, they're going to get it, look at it, and it's just going to sit on their computer for a month. And meanwhile, I got other stuff to do, right? And so now they gave me a one-week extension. So this afternoon, I get to build a PowerPoint presentation for something I'm going to talk about in more than a month. And that is so dumb. Can you just give them a deck full of slides that say TBD on them and then give them an updated one a week before you go out or a few days I'm a guest. You go I'm out? a guest. I, I just... You know, anyway, I, 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 this will turn in from old man gripey to like entitled elitist real quick. So I'm going to just shut this down. <laughs> they hired the, the, you want me there for a reason. Like, let me be the professional that I am and, and I'll deliver. You'll be OK. Do they but, not understand that spontaneous Pete is often 
better than planned Pete. Yeah, the, the, the great glory here is it's Pete the planner. Here's the plan. I'm going to be present and just make it happen in the moment. The only thing I plan is what I'm eating at a restaurant I'm going to six weeks from now. Yeah. Getting sweaty because I'm getting upset. Dame, I've had to use the restroom this entire show because of the amount of coffee I've had today. And I almost made you just carry a break while I went to the restroom. Everyone appreciates you not doing that. All right. Um, hey, everybody. I hope things are good. <laughs> Let's end that? the show because it's getting weird. Yeah. Okay. Dame uh, Mazel Tov on everything for the rest of your life. Thanks. Same to you. <laughs> okay, everybody. Stay getting money.